Hello everyone and welcome to episode 30 of season 1 Reading with Grace, where we will continue reading The Unwanted's Island of Fire. Today we will be picking up from chapter 31, but first a recap of chapters 24 through 30. After discovering Claire was being held captive, Henry, Haluki, and Alex rushed to Quill to save her. Their mission was successful, but Alex is still trying to figure out how to help some unwanted out of Mr. Today's secret hallway. He eventually stumbled upon the idea of using a 3D door, and after setting it up with Miss Octavia, he found that it worked. Now that Lonnie and Sam he can see, they have begun their so-called new life on Warbler. They met the ruler of the island, Queen Agala, and have started working in their own areas, but are still separated. Alex held the first meeting without Mr. Today, including Florence, Simber, and Miss Octavia, taking the first step forward without Marcus. That's the end of the summary. Enjoy the episode! 31. A Still Small Voice When Alex woke up late the next morning, he almost couldn't remember where he was. He lay in the soft bed surrounded by pillows and blankets, feeling refreshed for the first time in a long time. "'Alex!' Clive called from the other room. "'Alex!' Alex cringed. "'What?' he shouted back. "'Nothing.' Alex rolled his eyes and reluctantly climbed out of bed. He cleaned up and got ready for what would surely be another busy day. And then he went into his living area and stood in front of the blackboard. "'What?' he said again. Clive looked away. A tear pressed out from the surface of the blackboard and rolled down his cheek. Alex's eyes widened. "'Oh, no,' he said. "'You heard the news?' Clive gave a curt nod. Yes, and may I say that when Mr. Today was alive, the blackboards were the first to know everything, he said, his voice containing a hint of accusation. Clive, Alex began. Clive wrenched his head in the other direction for dramatic effect. Alex kind of wanted to punch him, but he gathered up as much patience as he could muster. Look, I'm really sorry. I had a lot of stuff to do yesterday, and I wanted to tell you the whole story so you could deliver it to the others. But it's a really long story, and there was so much happening. Rescuing Miss Morning, getting the people out of the secret hallway. There's a secret hallway? Clive cried out. Alex sighed, but he couldn't help saying, I guess Mr. Today never told you that. Stop! The pain! It's still so fresh! Alex gritted his teeth and started loading up his spell components for the day. Oh, come off it. I've really had enough drama for now. I know you're sad. I know everybody's sad, and I am too. But I've got to help take the thorns out of Megan's neck now, he said, punching the words out and slamming components into his pockets, as anger built inside him. Because she can't speak. I bet nobody mentioned that to you either. And then I have to figure out how to rescue Sam, Heath, and Lonnie, because they are prisoners at a nearby island. What's that? You didn't know about that either? That's because I'm so busy saving everything and everybody that I didn't have two seconds to tell you before the next crisis happened, okay? Alex hadn't felt so unforgiving in a long time. Clive's forehead wrinkled in alarm. Gosh, he muttered, and then he sank back into the blackboard and disappeared. Alex's mouth opened briefly and then he closed it again and shook his head. Whatever. He refilled the pockets of his newly clean component vest, ordered a breakfast sandwich sent up from the kitchen, and set off with it. As he closed the door behind him, he paused, listening for Clive's usual parting words, but this time there was nothing to hear. He bit his lip and looked down at the floor. Then he shrugged and walked to the balcony, inhaling his sandwich in three bites. Megan stood waiting. People buzzed about as usual. It was almost freaky how normal things seemed again. Ready? Alex asked. He licked his fingers and wiped them dry on his pants. Megan's face was verging on light gray. She rolled her shoulders a few times and nodded. Together they descended the walk into the hospital ward. 
Florence and Octavia were already there, and so were seen in a team of nurses. Megan grabbed her brother's hand and sat down in the cot as Florence explained the procedure. Octavia and the nurses performed as much medicine magic as they could think of to help her through the pain to come. And then, and then, Florence picked up an enormous sterilized wire cutter with long handles, and very carefully she clamped down on a stretch of the thorny necklace, not touching Megan's skin. She pressed the cutter handles together and there was a loud, swift click as the metal broke. Everyone breathed. Florence pulled the cutter back and inspected her work. Doing okay, Megan, she asked. Megan nodded. Florence went to a second section and cut through a piece as well. She did a third and a fourth and a fifth all the way around Megan's neck. And then she stepped back. Her part was done. Megan offered up a strained grin. Everyone knew that the hard part was still to come. The nurses surrounded Megan to the point that Alex couldn't see what they were doing. But perhaps he thought it was better that way. His stomach was feeling a bit queasy. And maybe it hadn't been such a good idea after all to gulp down a big breakfast sandwich ten seconds before coming here. The nurses murmured to Megan into a little each other, each little bits of encouragement that gave Alex hints of what was happening, as they applied a magical ointment and tried working the metal bits loose, so they could tug them out of her skin. But the incisions had healed well, fusing together with the metal, and the thorns were stuck fast. After several minutes of struggling with nothing giving way, the nurses stepped back. Megan searched Alex's face wildly, begging him with teary eyes to do something. Alex swallowed hard. He felt so helpless. He had no idea what to do. Seen tugged at his hair. Isn't there a spell or something? Anything? The loss of Mr. Today had hit hard at that moment. There would be so many times like this in the future. They all felt it. But then from across the room came a weak whisper. Alex. Alex rushed over to Miss Morning's side. She's awake, he cried. His hand shook. Claire closed her eyes again and with great effort she nodded. When he leaned down, she whispered in his ear. Dissipate. Using the robe may help. He drew a pained breath. Careful. Dangerous. Be very... She rasped and paused to take another breath. Precise. And concentrate on the thorns. Alex's eyes widened. Okay, he whispered. He glanced over the others, who were all looking on anxiously. I'll be right back. He ran out of the hospital ward and took three steps at a time. He'd never been able to do that before, he noted, but there was no time to marvel at his own awesomeness. Across the balcony and down the secret hallway he went, turning sharply into Mr. Today's office and grabbing one of the robes from the rack. He tore back through the hallway, shoving his arms into his robe, and climbed down the stairs into the hospital ward, coming to an abrupt stop in front of Megan. He caught his breath and fastened the robe properly, then flexed his fingers and looked his best friend in the eye. Miss Morning said this is a dangerous spell. His eyes roamed the room, stopping at Miss Octavia. I suppose I should just be here alone with Megan so no one hears me say it? Miss Octavia held up three tentacles. Say no more. Let's go, everyone. Out. Florence, Octavia, and the nurses filed out. Seen looked concerned, he turned to Megan. Are you okay with him trying it? Megan gazed into his eyes. After a moment, she nodded. Seen looked up at Alex. Don't mess it up, he warned. Alex's stomach twisted. Right, of course not. No pressure. As Seen reluctantly left the room, Alex grabbed Megan's hand. Are you absolutely sure? I don't know what could happen, but I promise I'll be extremely careful. Megan nodded firmly. She made up her mind. Okay, then. Hold very still. Alex let go of her and made a fist with his left hand, trying to stop it from shaking, but Miss Morning's warning to be precise had seemed to set his body off in the opposite direction. He stretched his fingers out to blue on them and took a deep breath. Then he carefully placed the tip of his thumb and forefinger on the end of a section of metal, making sure his fingers didn't touch Megan's hair, neck, or any other part of her body. And then he closed his eyes and concentrated on the thorns, thought about what he wanted to do. 
He made one last check to be sure he wasn't touching any part of Megan, only the metal, and then whispered, Dissipate. The section of metal faded away, and the skin deflated and puckered around the holes. Alex stepped back and breathed. Whoa, he said. It worked. A piece just totally disappeared. Unbelievable. Megan bit her lip. She poked Alex in the arm and nodded impatiently, pointing to her neck. Okay, okay, let's do the next section. Now that he knew what would happen, the thought of accidentally touching Megan while saying the spell gave him a slight stroke. What if he accidentally made Megan's neck, or worse, Megan's whole self disappear? No wonder nobody seemed to know this spell. Hold still, he said. He placed his fingers on the next section, focused, and repeated the spell. The section disappeared just like the other had, leaving a strange, intriguing pattern of scars around her neck. It's working, he muttered. Next one. He did the third section, and then the fourth, and the fifth, all the way around till he came to the last one, the piece right in front. It was the piece that kept her from being able to speak at all. Here we go, he said. Nervous sweat dripped from his temples. He touched the metal piece, whispered the verbal component, and watched it slowly disappear. With an enormous sigh of relief, he stepped back and wiped his face with his sleeve. I'm done, he said softly. Megan lifted her hand to her neck and touched it gingerly, all around, feeling the tiny holes and scar lines. Does it hurt? Megan bit her lip, and then she parted them as if to speak. Alex leaned forward, straining, as Megan took a breath and whispered in a cluttered, choked sort of way. Only a little... Thirty-two. For a brief moment. An enormous grin spread across Megan's face. I can talk, she half-whispered, half-croaked. It feels so weird, she trailed off. I hope the squeaks go away, she said, squeaking. Woohoo! Alex shouted. He embraced her, and then they flung open the doors to the hall outside the hospital ward, where Sin and the others had been standing around anxiously. Hi, Megan said, her voice continuing to screech and creak. She did a little impromptu dance in the foyer. I can talk! The group rushed over to her, chattering excitedly, surrounding her, and Alex stepped back to give them some room. He went back into the hospital ward to think this morning, but both she and Gunnar were sleeping. He tiptoed down and began to search the mansion for Sky and Crow. They needed to see this. But he couldn't find them anywhere. He hadn't seen much of them since Artemis returned, actually, though he'd heard that Crow and Henry did everything together. Alex headed outside and was reminded of how lucky they were not to be sleeping on concrete and desert-like heat. Now that he had a second to breathe, he took in the sights and sounds of the brightly colored world. The peaceful lull of the bubbling fountain, creatures walking down pathways or sitting together in trees, talking or resting or entertaining one another, and the gentle scents of flowers and the musk of the jungle at the edge of the lawn. It almost felt like the first day he'd been here. A moment later, he spied Skye sitting on the edge of the fountain. Her face brightened at the sight of Alex, and he felt his stomach flip as he ran over to her. He sat down at her side. Hey, I feel like I haven't seen you in days, he said, laughing, and then his laugh softened into a crooked smile. Isn't it fun being clean again? Ha ha. Um, he blushed. I missed you, and I never got to thank you for, wow, for everything, helping with the clue and figuring out there was something wrong upstairs. He trailed off, realizing all the things she'd done for him in the past few weeks. Skye smiled and waved him off. No, I mean it, he said in earnest. You've been like the one person I could count on through this whole mess. You're just really, really cool and amazing and smart and level-headed. Skye covered her face with her hands, embarrassed. Alex stopped talking and waited for her to look at him again. She sped her fingers and peeked between them. And clever, Alex said. She pinched the space closed again. Alex grinned. Okay, he said. He pushed her softly in the arm. I'll stop, I promise. 
She pulled her fingers away and raised an eyebrow. Promise, Alex said again. He liked her orange eyes. They smiled at one another as if they shared a secret. But when the girl blinked her long lashes and let her hand rest on the fountain between her knee and his, Alex was sure he didn't know what the secret might be. His brain turned to scrambled eggs. He knew he had a goofy grin on his face, but he couldn't help it. There was something almost magical about the girl. Her plump lips, her light brown skin, and those deep golden sunset-colored eyes. Alex swallowed hard as he felt his body lean ever so slowly toward her, as if his shoulder was magnetized to hers. Sky, her eyes on his, didn't lean away. Just then, a flaming ball of light streaked between their faces and stopped a few feet in front of Alex. As he reared back and turned to see what had happened, it exploded, leaving only a glowing pencil drawn of Lonnie and a thin trail of light scratching across the sea, pointing out the direction from which it had come. Alex stared at it, his face growing pale just as the picture faded away. He swung around to look at the trail of light streaking toward Warbler Island, and then he turned back to Sky. His lips purred as if to speak, but he didn't have a clue of what to say. Sky held his gaze solemnly for a moment, reached up and squeezed his arm, and then smiled, bringing her hands together in her lap. I'm sorry, Alex whispered, though he wasn't sure why he was saying that. His gut twisted with guilt. Here he was relaxing and smiling, when Sam and Lonnie were still captured. He looked at the ground. I'm such a dolt. He lifted his eyes up to hers again. I came to tell you that we took Megan's storm necklace off, and she can speak again. And if you want, we can do yours and crows, too. Skye's eyes grew wide, fearful. Her fingers fluttered to her neck, and it was now her turn to look away. Alex got to his feet, knowing he had no time to waste, knowing he had to do something fast to get the rescue effort started, but desperately wanting to be with Skye. I'm sorry, he said once again. I have to go. Impulsively, he reached out and squeezed her hand, and then he turned and ran to the mansion to find Simber, every step he took reinforcing the confusion of feelings he had in his head and in his heart. Thirty-three. On the move. When Alex had gathered up his group of trusted friends and advisors, he, seen Megan, Florence, Simber, and Miss Octavia, picked a spot on the lawn to talk strategy. But first, he invited Megan to tell them about her experiences on Warbler. As she told her story, the others looked on in shocked silence. Seen sat silent and still, staring at the grass, fists balled up and jaw set. She remembered making it to Claire's boat and not having the strength to climb inside, instead hanging onto the ladder for dear life. And that was the last thing she could recall before she woke up inside the gray shack. She didn't remember the rescue or flying out to the boat or nearly drowning. I can't imagine what they've done to Lonnie and Sam Heed, she said. But you have to understand, we have one shot to get them out of there. And almost everything is underground. There are spies in the trees with sleep darts. They got us on and the way in, but I don't think they were expecting me to escape. They must only be looking out to sea. So by the time they saw me running for the boat... I was too far away, and they missed. She thought for a moment. We're going to need a lot of help. Simber, Alex said, I'd like you to do a flyover of Warbler as soon as possible. We need to get an idea of what we're dealing with and figure out where the cave entrances are. He looked after the afternoon sun. Tomorrow, first thing? I'll be ready, Simber said. Megan frowned. I should go. Alex looked at her. I didn't think you'd want to. I don't, but I should she said, her voice growing clearer as the day wore on, and it was easier to understand her now. I'll be able to show you where I escaped from. No, Scene said, you're not going. Megan flared. Yes, I am. Then so am I, he said, his face was stone. Miss Octavia cleared her throat. Everyone looked at her. She smiled, her sharp teeth gleaming, and then looked at Alex. Alex, 
I think Artemay needs you to stay on the grounds for now as we plan things. Alex flashed a confused look, which cleared a moment later. Oh, to keep things stable around here, he muttered. Rally the troops, as they say. At least until Claire is feeling better, Miss Octavia said. I agree, Simmer said, and Florence nodded. Alex pressed his lips together. He wasn't sure he liked counting on someone else to get things right, but then he thought about it. Who better than Cena and Megan to take on this task? They were certainly invested enough. Megan had the scars to prove it, and Cena had been a great leader. Okay, he said. Both of you go with Simber tomorrow. The brother and sister team wore nearly identical grim smiles. And I'll work on Sky and Crow, Alex said. He rubbed his temples. If we could only convince them to let me take those chokers off, we could communicate. They could tell us everything. What do you mean? Florence asked. Are they hesitant? Sky seems to be really worried about something bad will happen. I wonder what kind of nonsense they were told would happen if they removed them. Megan gulped. You mean something could have happened to me? The point is, nothing did happen, Alex said. See? You're fine. He tapped his lips. Maybe you could go talk to Skye this afternoon, Meg. Show her that you're okay. Sure, Megan said. As for Sam and Lonnie, Alex said. Well, Lonnie at least is still alive. She sent a speak spell about an hour ago. He pointed to the fading trail of light that streaked across the water to the west. I hope they can hang on a bit longer. They must think we've abandoned them. They won't give up waiting for us, Megan said. They must have figured out by now things aren't normal. Alex raised an eyebrow. Could you have imagined what happened here? Megan paused. No, I, I guess not. But if Lonnie has been doing the seek spell, she has to have seen that it wasn't working for a while. I suppose that's true. They sat in contemplative silence. Anything else? Alex asked. He looked around. I'll send out a message to everyone's blackboards, just to make sure everybody's doing okay, like Mr. Today would do. I don't see a need for a big meeting. Everyone seems to have gone back to their routines quite easily. The others agreed. What about the gate? Simber asked. I don't think Quill has discovered that we're back in business yet, but they will soon. Alex nodded. I've thought about it. We need to keep it open in case some of our unwanteds return. Let's get another line of guards in place, and maybe Rufus can act as lookout from above. I'll handle that, Florence said. Shall I start up magical warrior training again? Yes, Alex said. He looked at Miss Octavia. And let's get regular classes going again, too. The Octagator nodded. That would be good. Poor Siggy doesn't know what to do with himself. He's still so distraught. Over Sam Heed. She wrung two or three tentacles in her lap. After they had sorted out all the most urgent tasks, Alex looked around the group. Well, I guess that's enough for today. Thanks, everybody. He smiled. It's good to have you back. Thirty-four. The birds. The birds. When the advisors dispersed to take care of their tasks, Alex made his way inside the mansion. He peeked into the hospital ward, seeing Gunnar and Henry Huluki, along with Crow and also the Charlie the Gargoyle, all sitting together on Gunnar's bed. Crow was singling wildly to Charlie, and Gunnar was singling too, only at a much slower pace. Henry looked up and saw Alex watching them. Charlie and Crow speak the same language, he said, eyes shining. Can you believe it? And my dad could understand Crow a little bit, too. Alex grinned. That's incredible, he said. What a strange coincidence that Charlie and Matilda will use the same sign language as the people on Warbler. He thought about that for a bit, scratching his head as he turned to leave. Then again, that's where Mr. Today was born. Maybe he learned it there and taught it to the Gargoyles. He climbed the steps, deep in thought, and then he stopped, turned around, and went back down. He peeked into the hospital ward again.
Crow, he said, can you tell Henry's dad what the leaders of Warbler have told you about the thorns in your neck? Did they tell you something would happen if you took them off? Crow's face turned ashen. He gripped the choker and backed away from Alex. Alex put his hands in the air and stepped back. Whoa, sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. Crow watched Alex for a long minute, and then he turned to Gunnar and began to sign. Gunnar watched Crow carefully. When Crow finished, Gunnar turned to Alex and shook his head. I didn't get it all, Gunnar began, but the gist of it is that if they ever escaped and tried to remove their thorns, the birds would come. The birds? Alex asked. Gunnar looked at Crow. Crow signed some more. The warbler birds, he says, said Gunnar. The warbler birds will come and peck them, starting with their eyes, and then the people of Warbler would find them and kill them. Alex stared. Henry stared. Even Charlie stared. Crow cowered, his hands over his eyes. Alex's mind raced. What would Mr. Day say right now to this scared little boy to soothe his fears? He put his hands in his pockets and offered a kind smile. Well, all I know is that a crow can beat a warbler any day of the year. Crow didn't move. And you know what else I know? Crow remained still. I know that warbler birds are friendly. I also know that the leader of warbler told that to you to scare you, and I bet I know why. They don't want you to remove the thorns. You can't talk to anyone about what they're doing over there. Alex began to wind up. It's like Quill. Justine told everyone that the walls were there for our protection. But she was lying to us. She wanted us to be scared, only that so we wouldn't dare to leave. He took a breath. Crow let his hand slip down from his eyes. There's nothing special about that thorny necklace, Alex said decisively. Its only purpose is to keep you from talking to outsiders and to scare you into obedience. Crow looked up at Alex, his eyes beginning to be assured. I can prove it, Alex said. We took Megan's off this morning. She sat outside for hours, and no warbler birds came. Plus, now she can talk again. Crow's face strained with hope. Go find her. You'll see for yourself. And tell your sister, too. She's probably with Megan right now. Crow bit his lip, and then he scrambled off Haluki's bed and jumped to the floor, running up full speed to find Megan and his sister. Gunnar grinned at Alex. You have a way with that boy, he said. He trusts you. Alex smiled. I guess so, he said, feeling a new confidence growing inside him. And then he turned to Henry. Now that we have our art supplies again, see if you can get Crow to draw a map of the tunnels on Warbler, will you? Sure, Henry said. He's pretty good at drawing. He showed him my things, and he drew some stuff. He got off the bed and went after Crow. Alex looked at Gunnar Haluki. We're doing everything we can to find Lonnie, he said. She's alive, we know that much. She sent a seek spell this morning. Gunnar smiled weakly. I know you're doing your best, Alex, and from what I've seen, you're doing an excellent job. Marcus would be very proud. Alex blinked hard and looked at the floor. Gunnar went on. Thank you for taking care of my son. I can never repay you for that. Alex nodded. I'm sorry about your wife, he said. Gunnar closed his weary eyes. There is only one instance where living without ever expressing one's feelings seems like it could be useful, at least on the surface, and that is when someone you love dies. He took a deep breath. I will never be the same person again. Alex nodded. He thought he understood, at least a little. After a moment, thinking Gunnar was asleep, he turned to go. Alex? Gunnar said. Alex stopped and looked at the man. I didn't want to say this in front of the boys, but Charlie's communicating with Matilda, who is in Aaron's office at the palace. She overheard a conversation. It seems Aaron has somehow managed to sentence your father to his death, but then decided to save his life again on the condition that they never support you in any way. He paused. I thought you should know. Alex's stomach dropped. He felt numb. He pinched the bridge of his nose as the headache threatened, and then he let it out a held breath. I see, he said. Thank you for telling me. And your mother is due any day now. 
Alex blinked. She... what? Haluki opened his eyes. Ah, I'm sorry. You haven't reconnected, he mused. According to Matilda, your mother is about to have twins. Thirty-five. Information Overload After sending out a greeting to all of Artemis by way of a very cranky blackboard, Alex retreated to the Museum of Large to search for a book that might tell him more about Warbler Island. But once he got there, he was quickly reminded of the mess that old Tater had made. He picked up a few things and then made his way to the gray shack. It was almost exactly as it had been when it stood alone on that dry plot, except for a few pieces of toppled furniture, most likely due to the unwanted trying to get out, when they realized something was happening. He straightened it up. Alex made a mental note to restore water to the water cabinet in case the world ended again. That had saved them. And then he bent down and looked into the cupboard where the model of the mansion was kept. He spied it and pulled it out, looking it over. Brilliant clue, really, Alex said aloud. He smiled and pushed the miniature mansion back in its place. I'll fix you later, as soon as I have time, he said to the whalebones, which were scattered near and far. Promise. And then he laughed at himself. He sounded like Mr. Today, talking to the whales if it could hear him. And I'll explore the rest of this room one day, too, he promised himself. There were hulking things in all directions, some of them curiously covered with tarps. On the way back to the wall of books, he patted the side of the pirate ship. It whispered unintelligibly in return. And then he dove into the library, trying to find the W section. There wasn't one. As he searched through piles and shelves overflowing with books, his mind turned to Sky and then to Lonnie, and how awfully confused he felt. How could he even be thinking about girls when he had so much to do? Then he thought about his parents and Aaron, and how awful Aaron was, and about his mother having twins. Alex would be an older brother, and he'd probably never meet the children. How coincidental, he thought. Twins again. On second thought, maybe he would meet one of them eventually. He gave a woeful chuckle and picked up another book. Everything there is to know about shells. Alex opened it and just laughed. He was sure it was a great book and very useful, though not quite useful as a vomit book, which had already provided entertainment for Alex and several of his friends. But he set it aside and dug deeper, trying to organize titles as he went through them, but ultimately giving up because the job was endless and took too much time. He searched into the night. Finally, he happened on a small book written in Mr. Day's own hand. It was a biography of journal of sorts. Alex paged through it and then put it in his pocket to take back to his room. When he left the Museum of Large, his mind was swimming with book titles about everything one could possibly imagine. Books on flags, books on famous people, books on geography and cooking and war and craft making, books on art, sculpting, music and magic, books on fiction, scripts, plays and poetry. And one of the most interesting things of all was that most of the books in the library, except for the ones written by Artemians in two piles of random titles that Alex found in pristine condition, were very old. It was puzzling, but there was no time to wonder about it. Come on, Alex muttered. He was tired. He just wanted to find something that would help him. We need to come up with a fine spell, he said. And then he spied it. A book called simply The Islands. It was old and tattered, well-loved, Mr. Today would have said. That had to have some information all out, Warbler. Alex stifled a yawn that threatened to crack his jaw and realized he was useless without sleep. He took the two books, closed up the Museum of Large, and headed back up the not-really-secret hallway. It was late, late enough to be stumbling across Sam he'd read about now, Alex thought. A pang ripped through him. Things weren't happening fast enough, and he couldn't seem to make things go any faster. He squeezed his eyes shut as he emerged from the hallway and nearly tripped over someone. Oh, he said, catching his balance, and then he smiled and realized who it was. It's you two. Sorry about that. 
Quill hopped to his feet. Alex blushed and held out his hand to Skye. She took it and pulled herself up, then hastily let go. Alex looked from one to the other, and then he frowned. You guys have rooms, don't you? They both nodded. Oh, good. I thought we forgot. I'm glad somebody took care of you, he said. Did Megan find you? He tried to sound nonchalant, but it wasn't working. The silent girl nodded again, and then she pointed to the thorns around her neck and looked up at Alex with a solemn face. Alex looked back at her, just looking at her made his knees weak. So? He flashed a lopsided grin. You want me to take the nasty collar off you now? Skye didn't smile. She just swallowed hard and nodded. Alex took a deep breath. It was crazy how excited he was. He wondered what her voice would sound like. What if it was nothing like he expected? What if she had the necklace on too long and her voice didn't come back? He thought about it and realized there was no need for Florence and her tools. It would be even easier removing one solid piece than half a dozen broken pieces. Let's do it then, he said gently. All you have to do is stand there and don't move. He turned to Crow. This would be a very, very bad time to bump me, okay? You got that? Crow nodded and stepped back, his eyes wide and solemn. Alex turned back to the girl and moved her hair out of the way. Cover your ears, Crow, he said, his eyes not leaving the girl's beautiful orange irises. Obediently, Crow put his fingers in his ears. Alex touched the metal thorns, careful to stay away far from her skin. Ready? he whispered. Sky blinked once, not daring to nod her head. She squeezed her hands into fists so tight that her knuckles looked like they might split. Alex closed his eyes and pictured the thorns disappearing, and then he whispered, Dissipate. When he opened his eyes, his fingertips were empty, and the space in front of him, Sky stood still as a mouse. It's done. A grin spit across Alex's face. Check the mirror, he said, remembering that's what covered the wall where the secret hallway stood. The girl put her fingers to her neck and then ran to the mirror and stared. She traced the scars. A tear fell from the corner of her eye, and she turned to Alex. Alex? She half-mouthed, half-whispered, nearly choking as her voice struggled to make sound once again. Thank you. It was the most beautiful sound Alex had ever heard.